You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 285, Robin T. Jennings and the Light of the World. Spoiler alert, it's Jesus. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, as always, Eric Nevins. Thank you so much for being here. I'm super glad that you are and that you found this show. I've been talking with our guest, and I know that you are going to really be encouraged by this if you get to the end and you go, wow, that was amazing, Eric. Oh, I don't know how you did it. I don't know. I don't know what you say. I'm just I'm playing with you. But whatever you say, if you enjoy it and you get to the end and you're like, that was really great. Would you do me a favor and you, you can do one of two things. Just shoot a text to a friend and say, you need to listen to this episode. You probably know somebody who'll be encouraged by this episode. Um, or, and if you have the the wherewithal and you want to help keep the show going, you can always go to halfwaythereapodcast.com. Look for that little Patreon link and help support the show. That keeps us running as well. So thanks for doing that. Our guest today, I'm excited to hear more about his story. I, I just, the things that we've talked about already over uh, a little bit of time, um, I just think are so needed. And so I know that we're going to have a good a good conversation. Um, he's an ordained Episcopal minister and the author of three books on spiritual growth through vision renewal. And his third book, uh, by bearing witness to the new generation or the next generation, which, uh, man, is something so powerful. We need to pass the faith down. It's probably more challenging now than ever. Our guest is Robin T. Jennings. Robin, welcome to Halfway There. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate I'm, the invitation. I'm so glad to connect with you and to hear more of your story. I gave that kind of broad stroke, uh, you know, introduction there. Uh, you, you're an Episcopal minister and an author, but give me more about kind of where God has you right now. I, I want to say in a happy place, <laughs> Yeah, but it's, it's far greater than that. Um, it really is back to James, who we're going to be talking about, is uh, a place of joy certainly have gone through a great deal over the years in terms of the ministry experience and seen a great deal. Um, and now having been in retirement, going through all this COVID, um, it's um, been, you know, the, the lockdowns and the quarantines and all that goes with it. Um, it's been an interesting time in terms of solitude. I'm mm. a talker, Eric. Yeah. I think you are as well. So we're going to have a great time. But <laughs> but I say this because I've had to be quiet in silence, solitude, um, and then being able to write have been uh, just a wonderful form of uh, being able to communicate with God and um, live in and trust God, which is for me a, a real source of joy. Anytime you can live in and trust God, that's it. Uh, and so I want to say stick a fork in this interview, Eric, we're done. <laughs> That's good stuff, right? Like, Okay, yeah, it well, really, is. It really I, is. Well, I love that. I have found the practice of silence and solitude to be really valuable as, as well. So that's... Uh, that's great. Uh, have you, is there anything in particular that you've learned at, about the Lord, about yourself as you've kind of had to sort of been forced into this? Sure. I think that, uh, again, that's not my strength, silence and solitude. Mm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I would not be known for that. Uh, I, again, I'd like to say I'm a talker and I've had a career, uh, not just a career, but a, a 
a calling that was communicating through talking mm -hmm. and verbal and speaking and all of those kinds of things. And so what this has done for me is allowed the Lord to have a word. Hello, Robin. Yeah. Are you there? <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah. And in ways where I've been able to really practice that. Um, and not that I haven't before, but but this has been uh, far more intentional. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think out of it has come a greater, uh, not just relationship, but partnership working together. Yeah, totally. That that makes sense. So it sounds like you've had a chance to uh, just maybe spend a little more time with the, with the Lord for sure. Interesting. Okay, well, we'll come back to that. I'm sure we'll we'll get we'll get there. Um, I want to go back though into into your story and your life with God. So, where did you grow up? <laughs> Should I say a place far, far away? <laughs> you can if you want. <laughs> it was a long time ago, Eric. Um, but I grew up in the North Shore of Chicago. Oh yeah, in, uh, nice, nice suburb. Uh, well-to-do, highly educated, you know, sort of like, like Wobegon. <laughs> yeah, it was, no, it, but it was a great time growing up. It was a slow time yeah, compared to what my kids and grandkids have grown up in. And when I say slow, I mean, we had bicycles right? <laughs> and we could ride around the block and, we, you know, one television, one telephone, one car. <laughs> it was just a different ball game entirely. Um and and when I say ball game, we had WGN TV, so we could watch the Chicago Cubs in the afternoon and yeah. <laughs> things like that. I mean, it was a it was a good life. Um, and actually, as I, as I'm talking, I went to a high school that was about five thousand. I mean, it was a big time high school. All I did was play sports, Eric. I wasn't. Uh very i shouldn't say religious but it, the the faith hadn't really yeah, yeah. <laughs> struck Developed struck yet. Right. struck me yeah it was more like a you know football in the back of the head striking me yeah. but um <laughs> with that said um what i did was when i say i like to talk and i and i got the gift of gab and all of that um i needed some credits in my senior year I'm getting personal with you now, but yeah. but with that, there was we had an FM station at our school, which was very uh, high tech <laughs> to have an FM station. Yeah, Eric, I I was the announcer for the baseball games. Oh wow! During the springtime, and I got credit for it. That's awesome. <laughs> so, but I say this here from the standpoint of if you've ever announced a baseball game, there's rain delays. Yeah, <laughs> there's. Uh, two out three and two count what do you do yeah <laughs> and and then they walk the, you know and then they, they bring in another pitcher and it's a relief pitcher and you know so you're just constantly talking and filling in spaces so we're gonna have a great interview Eric. oh nice so you a lot you, of talk you kind of, of learn how to do that i love that what part yeah, of yeah so north shore like i went to trinity so like i spent a lot of time in highland park there oh sure yeah, yeah no we played highland i went to new trier high school okay if yeah, you remember that yeah. so we played highland park and we beat you uh, probably yeah i i just lived there i didn't <laughs> okay all right <laughs> I, I had two kids were born at the hospital there so that's uh, okay it's, sure it's a, yeah special place for us yeah yeah uh good well that's it's an interesting place though religiously so was it so you're you kind of did you was it a christian family did you like know that sure okay well, an Episcopal family, and I'm one of those who's been mm. in the Episcopal Church all my life. But um, growing up, it, and here again, I think is some of the the um, 
emphasis that I, I want to continue to place on uh, young fathers and um, the, the role of the father, certainly the mother is obviously, I mean, I'm not excluding as much as to say, come on, guys, get with it. Because my dad, it was get, get in the car, time yeah. to go to church, you know, one of those kind of dads, and no questions asked. And if yeah. you did, you didn't want to ask the question. <laughs> you know? But also, Eric, quite seriously, what I can remember to this day um, was dad praying and kneeling by his bedside. That almost sounds not corny, but antiquated in these yeah. days, um, you know, with everyone praying on their, well, you know, smartphones and all that. But, but here he was, this giant of a guy kneeling down, saying his prayers before he went, you know, and, mm-hmm. I, and I can remember the door open and I would see that. And I thought, what in the world is he doing, you know? Um, and then in church, you know, I don't know if you know the Episcopal church, there's a lot of up and down and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to see these guys go down and kneel and close their eyes and pray really made an impression on me as a kid. Oh, interesting. What, what yeah. was that impression? It was just reverence? A reverence. And, yeah. and, 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 and the, the reality of prayer, they, they were, these guys came, of course, out of World War II and they were pl- praying for real. And mm. it, they really were praying. And it just, uh, no nonsense. Uh, it wasn't like yawning and looking at their watch and when's this going to be over. Uh, they were there to worship. Yeah. Really interesting. I, I can imagine an experience like that would give you a certain reverence for huh? the, for the Lord. Right. That it makes stuck. sense. It really stuck. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. So, so that kind of stuck with you. When did your faith start to, when did you start to, <laughs> it started to get a hold of you, I guess. Let me put it that well, way. Well, <laughs> I, I've got to give my wife credit. I fell in love, Eric. Mm-hmm. You know what? <laughs> and, and, that happens, right? Doesn't it? Yeah. And once you love someone, uh, you know, you find yourself closer to something uh, that we might call holy. I mean, there's there's a reverence there in terms of a relationship. Plus, um, do no harm. You know, you begin to really recognize the the sacred, special quality in another person that you really care for. And again throughout high school i was a, a screw off and i won't i don't know if this can be recorded like this but yeah. but it was you know sports and that was it yeah by the time i got to college um believe it or not i learned how to read and write <laughs> that's good <laughs> and, and and with that came um again this relationship that began to teach me something about love and um um we got serious and by the time graduation from college came around it looked like something might happen in terms of marriage and again starting with engagement i went back to chicago she was a tennessee girl our the wow. school i went to we both went to was in, in danville kentucky outside of lexington heart of the bluegrass if you're familiar with any of this yeah but uh it was a beautiful area but i went from a high school of five thousand to a school of a college of probably then under a thousand. I mean, it was just, you know, talk about shock and awe. Yeah. <laughs> there it was. I mean, the people would call me by name and I thought, you know, you know <laughs> who is that? What do they want? <laughs> but you learn, you learn a different style of life and culture that was much closer uh, to people. I mean, it was people centered rather than just get her done kind of thing. And long story short, I went back to Chicago, worked in an Episcopal boys home. 
uh, not knowing what I wanted to do when I grew up kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, thinking I was going to go into social work or be a psychologist or do something like this. And Chicago at that time, I don't know if you, you probably weren't born by then, but uh, then, but there was the Vietnam War, there was Martin Luther King's assassination, there was the Democratic Convention. I mean, oh, yeah. it was a crazy time to be in Chicago. And um, uh, I saw a lot change. Uh, externally uh but internally i was working at this boys home these kids were oh seventh and eighth grade they were classified as emotionally disturbed but you know they were from a different side of chicago Uh, than a little white suburban kid and every day eric i was in a in a fight a fist fight wow uh as i was the counselor you know getting the kids right and you know they'd say things to me uh i won't repeat on your podcast but you know it just and but where i'm going with all this is there was a chaplain at the church home it's an episcopal church home and we would talk and talk and talk and i actually i would listen (laughs) but what he said to me at one point in our conversations we said you know you ask a lot of good questions he said have you ever thought of going to seminary i went what yeah (laughs) me who you know, so I call my little fiance up and I said, uh, what do you think? I, I'm thinking of going to seminary. <laughs> and she said, well, you know, I thought maybe we'd go to church. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's like, are you kidding me? You know, it's just off the, where are you coming from? So we explored it. And um, you can imagine I was 23, 24 years old, the, the bishop, the dean of the seminary, the registration, everyone told me to wait, 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 don't don't, don't, not now, go sow your wild oats, get married, you know, get a job, grow up, all that kind of stuff. I went, we went, and I want to say we were 24 years old or so. What happened was our marriage was built around the church. Mm. And it was actually a very, very good thing. Oh, interesting. And yeah, so that's my story. Wow. Okay. Well, that's fascinating. <laughs> I, I, very, very interesting that they encourage you not to go, but oh. uh, right. Which, where do you think that came from? Like just, uh, just the voice of experience? I don't know. It's part of the Episcopal church um, uh, discernment process. That is a long story in and of mm. itself. Now we've got committees on top of committees and yeah, I, I wouldn't have gotten in nowadays. <laughs> I mean, with, you know, all the stuff you have to go through, I, you know, they would ask me about, my prayer life then. And I'd start crying. I mean, I didn't know what to say to him. You yeah. know, what do you know about God? I don't know. That's why I want to go to seminary. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Nowadays, you, you, that's not good enough. I, obviously, you know, they throw you out. So yeah. I mean, you, you, you don't get to question or seek or search or any of those kind. I, I shouldn't say that, but, but it's a, you, you got to have your act far more together now and you got to be about 40 years old and Oh, interesting. I've gone through a million different experiences and wow. it's just different. Is that really true? You have to be 40 years old to go to no, seminary? No, but the, the majority of the, the, there was a real trend to get more mature people. Oh, well, we wow. got them and they're all retired now. So interesting. <laughs> yeah. See, I'm actually, I'm, well, I'm a little attracted to that because I think I'm in the evangelical church that I come from, uh, it's all young people, right? So then we're given sure. you know the spiritual leadership to you know a guy who's you know but <laughs> well been around the block half a time, right? And you're I know like, well, that. I don't I think know that's that. good either. Yeah, so. no, I know what that's like. And we've got the Baptist Seminary right next to us, and right. I go there all the time, and and they are very young, and um, yet my 
understanding and certainly my experience was we were sure idealistic and uh, that was a good thing and you get these more seasoned guys who i'm not going to say are more cynical or skeptical but they're they're just boring (laughs) so (laughs) okay i don't know if you're going to quote all this or where this is going but I'm, i'm just talking to you like you know yeah that that's how i see it right well that's interesting so very fascinating. There's probably something to be said for both, actually, right? So sure. I spent, oh, sure. No, I spent I a long it. time in, uh, you know, in school, and so I, I know I know a lot of people from a lot of different backgrounds, and that that can make sense. So, where did your was it in seminary that your faith began to like really blossom and kind of become your own? Yeah, I I, uh, I had the the exposure certainly to the church throughout my teenage years, as I mentioned, and and I think what happened in seminary as I sort of was expecting Peter and Paul to be there at the, the gates and enter me into, and they were just regular guys right. <laughs> in seminary. And it was um, the Virginia seminary in Alexandria, which is just outside of DC. Oh, by the way, did I tell you Watergate was going on? No. <laughs> yeah. So regardless of where you were politically, you got the Washington post delivered on your doorstep every day. And, oh, you know, nice. I mean, it was yeah. one of those kind of things. It was just, it was kind of whacked out time to be in DC but with that said, again, it it the seminary and um, the time that I spent there talk about mentoring. You know, these mm. a lot of these professors were just great guys, and 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 I'm I don't know if we had women professors, and we were starting to get women in the classroom. Oh yeah, ordination of women came later after I graduated, but but at the time, um, um, stability was important for a guy like me who was kind of all over the place. And I began to really get some focus kind of 25 words or less, but that, that, that was what seminary really was around growth, spiritual growth. uh, I was just a seed being planted. So, Mm. (laughs) you know, I knew nothing about growth at that point, but, but I think it was, my eyes were wide open and I was sucking it all in. So you, I hear you saying you were curious, like you were, you were like, okay, this is something I want to learn about. And you really soaked it up. Yeah. And I would say every other week I was going to quit seminary and this is, (laughs) you know, it doesn't mean anything and it doesn't apply to real life. And what are we talking about? So, yeah, I mean, you know, I was, I was at that age um, uh, that um, was not only uh, curious, but, but really, um, Oh, spontaneous and, you know, um, wanting to make things happen, I, mm-hmm. you know, result oriented period. I let's come on, show me God. Where is he? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Let, let's I want to put- walk on water. I want to walk on right. water. I, talk about Peter, you know, and, and that was my first book was vision. I had zero vision, you know, but it was starting to happen. And, um, I, that was that was what seminary was about for me it was was literally the beginning of formation yeah interesting okay so what happened after seminary sounds like you got some really good mentoring in seminary and some you probably learned to study scripture and and all those things sure and uh so i was beginning the tools and the the thinking about um faith and spiritual life and um application of this to to the reality of what's going on. And we go to Memphis was first stop. And by the way, this was the time right after Martin Luther King's assassination in Memphis. Oh, wow. 
Yeah. So it was a, again, a kind of a bizarre time. I mean, you think we're living in crazy times. <laughs> these, I know. Were, these were nuts. And uh, I was in a downtown cathedral that was a beautiful cathedral, big traditional Anglican cathedral, you know, with the architecture, the music, all that goes with yeah. that. Um, but what uh, was clear was, was again, the struggle, the racial struggles that were taking place in the city, but then also the struggle that was within me. And I, I wrote about this in uh, the book uh, on, on James that, that I did the, entitled A Letter to the Church in the next generation, because I was part of that next gen. I was part of the new generation, Eric. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and once upon a time, once upon a time, right. a long, long time ago, but um, there at the altar was the inscribed on the altar in the marble. There was a, a, a Hosanna. Hallelujah. Was, was praised to the Lord. Um, and I, I've asked and questioned what that was all about. Finally, once I got my nerve up um, in this, I'll never forget the, the discussion I had with this uh, leader of the church talking about Mother Constance and uh, the martyrs of St. Uh, 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 of Memphis and what they went through during the yellow fever pandemic. And if you're with me now, this is where I'm starting to connect dots yeah. to uh, the whole story of um, the new generation here, because what these kids have gone through um, and then I was thinking of the 1870s, where the, this inscription came from. Well, 1870 was not far in front of 1860, as in Civil War. Right. Remember? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, you wouldn't remember those days, but <laughs> but but here again, all of this history and all of this culture and all of these clashes and experiences, I'm I'm saying, whoa, you know, how did they do it then? How do we do it now? How did James do it? You know, and the, the people that he was writing to and the work that that um, uh, he was engaged with, with this new church. I mean, persecution and the struggles that that the early Christians had was was just uh, so uh, then, you know, touching to me as wanting to be a doer of the word. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was starting to become the story of my life, Eric. <laughs> yeah, well, see, that's so interesting. So, um, so you went to Memphis to serve this church. Is that what you were doing? You were, you were the. That's right. The, yeah. What do you guys call a it? Low, you don't call low it a man on the, low man on the totem pole. Yeah. Yeah, you don't call it a pastor. What do you guys call it? A priest, now, a priest, but, okay. or a clergyman, a minister. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They called me other things too. <laughs> Don't they always? <laughs> yeah, right. Interesting. Okay. In, so fact, in fact, I won't interrupt. I, one one quick story that I I my first time there, the first service, I sat in the bishop's chair. Oh no! It was it was an empty chair. Yeah. I mean, we were all sitting, and I I know. saw that chair, and I sat in it. Well, you could hear the audible gasp around <laughs> with the clergy, the acolytes, the choir, everyone. You know the congregation was pointing at me, you know, laughing and, you know, making noises. And I'm just sitting there, you know, having a great old time. Well, <laughs> this old clergyman comes up and just chews me out, sends me over to another corner of the, the inner sanctuary there oh, man. where there was a folding chair. So I went from the bishop's chair, uh, to wow. <laughs> which gives you an idea of what, you know, how it was for me. That's where you were. Yeah. That's <laughs> where learned, you were on the I temple. Learned. You yeah, got it. Yeah fascinating okay so you so you do that tell me tell me more about how you kind of learned like because it sounds to me like you got into being being the priest i mean you went to seminary you got the training sure. but you that was all still pretty new for you still right right so tell right. me tell me about how you over the over the time maybe 
began to kind of, I'm going to call it this, learn the way of Jesus, right? And how you really sure. fell in love with him. How much time do we have? We got as much time as you <laughs> okay. want. It's a podcast. No, it's, that, that's a life story. It really yeah. is. But, it, but uh, I will say, uh, when I became the rector in Louisville, which is the head honcho, rector, by the way, is a Latin word for ruler. So I became the ruler. Okay, yeah. Eric, you can't see the smile on my face, but I <laughs> <laughs> was anything but, you know, I, I learned quickly. Yes, ma'am. Oh, I never thought of that. Or let's take it to a committee or thank you for sharing, you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. Um, my style of leadership quickly got broken and <laughs> I, I learned that. But but it was mostly church, churchy, churchy kind of stuff. And Jesus was not there. And I shouldn't say that because that doesn't sound good to be a minister and say Jesus wasn't there. But But there was a hollow spot. Yeah. And probably after about six or seven years of, I'm not going to say playing the role, but doing what I was trying to do that, you know, worked um, on the outside, I really had to learn how to pay attention to the inside. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where, um, and it's called Shalem Institute or Shalem uh, Spirit uh, Guidance Center, spiritual guidance, yeah. uh, that they had a three-year uh, program. And um Oh, I don't know if you know the name. Rollo May was a philosopher, real famous, but his brother, no. Gerald May, was a psychologist. Yes. And he was he was my mentor. And really you got some. Here you go, Eric. That's wow. yeah. <laughs> he was a great guy, a I, wonderful guy. I've got his book right there. I've got how good is I've that? I've got multiple of his up there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so, so that's you, great. You studied with him. Okay. Yeah, well, he we so what we would do was we we'd correspond. This is before email and all this kind of stuff, but we would correspond, um, we'd read papers, and then we'd go to DC, I think once a quarter, where we spent time with them. Then the and this is where coming to Jesus started for me, was we had to get our own group, our own small group where we resided, which was Louisville. However, I had to get under spiritual direction on my own. Mm. I went to the Abbey of Gethsemane, okay. which is, if you're familiar with Tom Burton and those yeah. guys, <laughs> that's where I was. Uh, and I would go there for quiet days and retreats and then for direction that, uh, again, was just a whole new ballgame for me and yeah. opened me up considerably to this inner dimension of my life that I just didn't know anything about. <laughs> yeah. Fascinating. Okay. So yeah. I, the reason I know Gerald May is because we had to read some of his books for, um, uh, in seminary. I did this, I did kind of an emphasis in my, within my MDiv on uh -huh. spiritual formation. Right. So he, well, obviously, obviously he comes up, um, but that, so that's really fascinating, but I'm also interested in the fact that you, um, you kind of entered into spiritual direction. Now, most of our, my listeners, I do talk about that sometimes, but not all the time, right? Cause we don't, not everybody does it. So can you describe what that was like for you and what, in what ways did it help you understand kind of yourself and connect to Jesus? Well, <laughs> I, and the only reason why I'm laughing is because it, it taught me how to pray. Yes. Which really doesn't sound great when you've been in the ministry for eight years and, and graduated from seminary and you just now learn how to pray, you know. But, but it's, I, I, <laughs> well, tell me. So I contend, I, I always tell people I went to okay. college to learn how to study the Bible and seminary to learn how to pray, right? Because, sure. But only because 
of my, that emphasis in spiritual formation, right? Because I would go, we have a silent retreat center here that I go to and, and I got in the direction myself. Like that's where I learned it, learned like Dio Divina and some of those things because nobody teaches you that. And so I don't know if that's true no. in the Episcopal tradition as well, yeah, but absolutely. it doesn't get taught where I was. In the Episcopal tradition, we've got a prayer book. So you want to pray? Turn to page 372. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and there you go. Wasn't that a beautiful prayer? Uh, <laughs> again, I'm being, I'm being uh, overly critical, but, but that I've, I've lived that life uh, that's very liturgical and ritual and so on and so forth. And so this was now, I don't want to say spontaneous, but it was more, again, uh, inner reflections. I, I actually learned then beginning how to journal. And that probably mm. started my writing. Um, I know it did. But the, the irony, and you know, you, you wonder if God has a sense of humor kind of thing. Well, the, the humor for God was, um, I became very religious, very holy, very spiritual. <laughs> and guess what? The church grew and grew and grew. Wow. I got more and more staff. Eric, I knew nothing about administration. Oh, by the way, the word administration means to minister, but I always just saw it as a pain and, you know, <laughs> right. And, and really a waste of time and driving me crazy. And I was obviously driving my staff crazy and because I wanted to pray and I wanted to be, you know, so the church grew and then I got myself into building programs, capital campaigns, all the kinds of things that go with theoretical success. Right. Well, yeah, it was nuts um, because here again, outer and inner, we're, we're in a, just a terrific clash. Um, but that's where God comes in and says, I'll help you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so it sounds like you're feeling that tension. What, how did God resolve it? What happened? Well, in, in one respect, um, I don't know if you know the name, Ken Callahan, 12 keys to an no. effective church and all that. Well, he, he wrote a, he's a church consultant, wrote a, probably a dozen books um, about church administration. And it, it taught me about how to be more of a, of a leader, which was again, something I never thought of myself in a leadership role. And that's where I've, I've, God had now led me. So I suddenly became, I'm a leader. Yeah. <laughs> People are following. <laughs> and it, with, with, and here again, this comes back to James because James has so many leadership principles in there, which I want to share with this next generation and, and talk about it. I mean, it's just, it's there. Um, and, and, you know, ask God for what you need. How about that for an opener? Right. <laughs> right. What? <laughs> you know, so I, I can't even remember your question, Eric, Well, so my, so excited. Well, I love that. Yeah, it is really important. Um, we'll get to that. So, but I want to know like your own personal, you, you mentioned that tension that you were feeling outside, outer and inner. What, what's, how'd that resolve? How did you, how did spiritual direction help you with that? Or how did, how did that, well, was there an experience? Was it like over time you just all of a sudden went, Oh yeah, yeah I guess I'm good. I think um, it was, it, you know, I, it, I would like to say it's resolved, but there's still a, a side of me. I'm sure you can tell it's a little hyper and a little <laughs> type a and let's go, let's go, let's go. And it got me to slow down. Now this was before all the technology today. I'd probably be a nut you know, if I was in the ministry now, but I mean, going at the pace that some of you guys go, but um, I told you I was married. Did yes. I also tell you we had four kids? No. 
(laughs) (laughs) So, Eric, what helped me was, again, in terms of the clash that was going on, you know, all about me within my life and how important I am and then the church and the importance of the church. What about home? You know, what about your kids? What are you doing for them? Yeah. What do they think of dear old dad? So that's where I think so much of it got balanced and resolved and um, uh, really came to a a bearing fruit in a way that, um, you know, I, I can't say I celebrate because I still don't know. I mean, you know, now we've got grandkids. Um, I I don't want to say, I still don't know what my kids think of me, but (laughs) you know, I don't know what it quite was like for them growing up, but, but for me, again, I was able to provide for them in ways that I gave them all I could. Yeah. And that's not just, you know, buying them clothes and paying the bills and that kind of thing is, is we've really had some good times together and in-depth ways that we were able, my wife and I were able to raise them. Yeah. So did you, as you're serving and you're kind of going through this season of spiritual direction and really learning about yourself, were there things that God like either took out of your identity or gave to you in your identity that you didn't know were there or that maybe a dark night that you had to wrestle through or something, something on of that nature? Yeah. Thanks for bringing up dark night, but uh, no, that was certainly there. And, and uh, the, I, uh, in one of my groups that I was in this one small group, um, one of the guys, we, we were talking about surrender as an example and letting go submission. Mm-hmm. I mean, everyone, that was kind of a, a cool way to talk about, you know, yeah. the relationship. I've learned how to turn it all over to God, let go, let God, you know, right. I thought, no way. <laughs> What's that supposed to mean? I'm not going to surrender. The guy I was with, uh, was an air force, a pilot previously, and then became ordained. What he told me was really interesting. He said, you know, you, we were all as, and now I don't mean to sound sexist, but he said, as guys, we were raised never to surrender, uh, you know, quitters, uh, winners, never quit quitters, never win, you know, that kind of thing. You yeah. don't quit. You don't throw in the towel. And he said, especially, especially, and I'll never forget the look and the, the passion is you never surrender to the enemy. <laughs> You'd rather shoot yourself than surrender to the enemy. Yep. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, cool, cool. And he said, however, when it comes to surrendering to God, that's the source of love. <laughs> that was it. Eric, wow. stick a fork in me, done. You know, it was over. And I thought, I get it. You know, it was one of those pivotal moments that uh, I, I still to this day hold on to when I whine and complain and cry about, you know, surrendering <laughs> or turning it over to God. I also, um, Dallas Willard, I'm familiar with his yeah. writings. Oh, yeah. uh, he was he was very important to me, along with Richard Foster, of course. I mean, you put those two guys together. Yeah. Um, and and Ranavari, the, the whole aspect of renewal. But with that said, uh, uh, Dallas continued to, several times talked about yoking yourself to Christ. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what are, you, what, are, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I get it now. <laughs> you know, I mean, I I really learned from him, and it wasn't just the let go and let God kind of thing, 
but what are you and God going to do together? How are you and God going to work? Are you and the Lord going to work together yes. on this? What do you mean work together? It's, this is my show, you know, right. my job. I'm the guy that's getting paid, you know. Uh, and, and you've heard this the story of the preacher who, you know, goes to the guy who's working in his farm and or his garden. And he says, you know, what a beautiful garden. Look what the Lord has done to your garden. And the the crutchety old crutchety old guy says, well, you know, where was the Lord when, you know, I needed to help weeding right, right. <laughs> you know, or tilling the soil or water. You know, anyways, that's, that's where I've learned that understanding of, of yeah. um, working together. Yeah. I love that. So I think it's probably from Willard and Foster as well. I've learned that this, the walk with God really is a partnership, right? Yeah. And it's, cooperative, it's not, cooperative. It yeah. is that you have to show up, you know, like you, you have to show up and do your work and do your part, but he does the things that you can't do. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you have to also, that's where the surrender comes in, comes in as well. And sometimes it takes a little longer than you'd like, or a little, you know, sooner than you like or whatever. Like it's, it can always be uh different. Um, and there are certain aspects you're not in control of. Exactly. And, and those things, uh, issues are all out there. I mean, you name it. Um, hunger. I mean, it just breaks my heart. Okay, what are you going to do, Robin? Right. You know, there's just so much I can do. Right. Um, I mean, I've, well, and so do what you can do, Robin. You know, I'm here for you, but right. you know, you're not, um, you know, you're not God, Robin. <laughs> right. You know, so do your part of caring for the poor. I mean, you know, here back to James again. Um, yes. But for Pete's sakes, don't just turn your back on the hungry and the poor and the suffering and yada, yada you know. Yeah. Th there's an interesting aspect where that is a calling to, I guess, maybe embody, I'm going to put it this way, embody God's concern for the poor, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. so uh, you can't do everything, but he's calling you to do something, which is an yeah. interesting aspect. Okay. So Robin, that's uh, so lots of, lots of interesting things there. So you, I mean, you, you had a full career and like, so was there anything else like that you found that, or that was an important moment for you before we turn to some, some more of your, of your work now? Well, I think, again, in large part, um, the people mm. of the congregation um, of the parish is that so oftentimes, uh, and here again, I'm not just egocentric or talking about me, myself, and I, that kind of blessed trinity, yeah. but um, I, I really, you, you can get so wrapped up in the pressure you're under, the weight of the world on your shoulders, you know, the balancing of the budget, who's going to, you know, all the issues that are, that are and, and serious issues that clergy face day in and day out. I mean, it never ends, correct? Yeah. But what I found was the, the gifts and the beauty and the joy and the love mm. in the parish uh, not that I was codependent, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. on on them uh, as much as what they taught me, what I learned from them, their struggles, uh, their pain. Oh my God, you know, their suffering. Right. To be um, privileged, and I'm and I mean that honored to to walk with them. 
in ways that uh, mm. I think is the greatest gift that clergy have. Well, I love that because I think that's the voice of experience of an experienced pastor, right? Okay. Like, like you were describing earlier, you know, as, as young men, right. Or, young, or right. women, you come in with all these ideas of what you're going to do and make the world better. Right. Sure. And, and seasoned pastors know that the, the real joy and the gift is, and the privilege is in the walking with the people, right. Yeah. And going yeah. through and experiencing those moments whether they're joyful in the you know births of babies and and weddings, yeah. or whether they're sorrowful, whether you know divorces and death oh, all and yeah. all those things, right? Like all all the things that happen, and uh, it's the privilege of walking through those things with people and being, I think, in some ways, the Lord's representative through those mm-hmm. that are that's really powerful. It really is, and and the, that's the blessing, yeah, that, that comes with it. I guess is what I was. Love coming it. up in terms of the word. I love it. Okay. So then you, you've retired and I don't know how long ago that was, but you're writing, you start, so you start, you start writing and you're sharing this with the world. And what I love. So one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you is because I'm convinced that the, the church needs uh, people who love the Lord, who have been, who've walked with the Lord for a long period of time. Mm-hmm. And, um, can point to the things that they see in the current culture and in the current ways that people are trying to live with him. Right. And say, wait, this is what, this is how we do that. Right. This is what we, this is what the tradition of what God's people have always done. There's some things we need to let go, but there's some things that we need to hold on to. And we need that kind of, kind of instruction. Um, And you've kind of done that with your books, focusing on Paul and Peter and now James. And so, sure. I'm talk about that a little bit and why that's important to you. Well, um, it's important because I no longer have a pulpit (laughs) (laughs) and, um, this is, this is a way I can communicate. And actually as a result, now talking to you, I mean, I'm able to communicate with far more people and a far greater, um, if you will, audience, uh, it's different, obviously different than a parish ministry. But it's still a form of communication and yeah. really conveying uh, the good news, the gospel that so desperately needs to be heard now. So yes. that's yeah, yeah. That's why I put pen in hand and get going. Uh, yeah, I, I I completely actually it's keyboard, no longer keep, pen in hand, but right? you know what I mean. Thankfully, <laughs> thankfully, yeah, man. I I know one of the uh, I so I took Bruce Demarest and he used to say he learned in high school the two best things uh, that he learned was Latin and typing, which I'm sure when he was in high school, it was even more rare for a dude to take typing. I, I took it in ninth grade, but boy, it was valuable, right? I'm glad, sure. I, glad, glad I actually learned. Um, of course, he ended up being a theologian, so the Latin was helpful. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, okay, so, but, so let's talk about, you know, you mentioned a few times James and how that is really applicable to today. Like, what sure. are some of the things that you think, Particularly, yeah, you know, millennials are getting to their forties now, so it's more like Gen Z and right. you know, the younger generations. What what it, what is it in James that relates to what people are experiencing now? Well, I think now again they want to they don't want to just be hearers of the word; mm. they want to be doers. And so, uh, restoration 
is a, a key theme, I think, for so many of this Gen Z. Also, Eric, I don't know if you know, we're hypocrites. Yes, I'm aware. <laughs> that's, no, but that's what they say about the church. We're nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. And and, and I don't mean to be throwing rocks here or, or starting a food fight, but I, I drew a lot of research from uh, David Kinnaman and Barna. And um, I, I don't know how familiar you are with yeah. Barna's research, but boy, it, it just, it, it cuts you to the heart. I mean, in, in some respects, but at the same time, I think where David comes out and certainly I do is tell the story. Jesus didn't like hypocrites. Yeah. Um, but can't we talk about <laughs> not something else, but can't we talk about integrity, um, which literally means to integrate, yeah. you know, these different pieces and places and parts of our life, the good, the bad, you know, and, and begin to, to work together on, if not healing, growing. And this is where spiritual growth to me is such an important aspect. Uh, Gen Z would call us judgmental, you know, well, Jesus says not to be judgmental, right? Doesn't right. He? You know, so again, not to throw the story back in their face, but okay, uh, we all love, not we all love, so many people love Tom Brady, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> actually, depends on you know, which side of the ball you're on, but yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but where where I'm going with that is is again where's that take you? lebron james where's that going to take you you know how celebrity stuff you right, know right. You, you you go with that just so far they don't love you back um they could care less about who you are let's talk about jesus yeah <laughs> you know and 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 again where where he might be taking you and would you like to follow him instead of following you know right which is the great invitation um I'm interested too. The thing I I, th I love about James is I think it might be, I think I said, I don't know if I said this earlier or before we started recording, but James might be the perfect book for an activist generation, right? Yeah. So yeah. a generation that, um, you know, and I'm, I'm a Gen Xer, so I, what do I know? But th that really wants uh, to see, um, injustice resolved, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? I mean, James talks about favoritism. Oh, you sure. Know? And, and he's like, no, don't do that. Yeah. Wow. Right. So that's, <laughs> you're going to be like a flower that withers up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that's, uh, I, I feel like there's a lot in there that, that, that the next generation can really value and benefit from. Well, there, there is. And I think there again, um, you know, almost wanting to start with, Look, let's uh, ask God for what you need. Mm. Have you ever right. thought of doing? Or, or tell me about your prayer life. How's your prayer life? Um, and if they were like me back when I was that age, I'd start crying. You know. Well, yeah. all right. So let's let's begin with not, you know, where you ought to be. Let's begin where where you are. And this is certainly what I think James does. Also, yeah. Um, you know, so much of the, not criticism, because I mean it more from an academic criticism standpoint yeah. of James, is that he doesn't develop some kind of Christology or some emphasis on Christ. Well, oh my goodness, you know, are you kidding me? You know, I mean, it just drips with the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah. And um, the past, and, and so again, to engage this next generation, whew, 
in that Sermon on the Mount, and in James, you know, you want to talk about anger? Yeah. Um, you know, where's that going to take you? Well, it's going to take you <laughs> to violence. And where's violence going to take you? You know, and, and none of this is good stuff. You know, so let's talk about how we can um, develop uh, a life. And, and if I throw out the word righteous, oh, you're so self-righteous. Right, right. <laughs> you know? and, and you right away, you oh, you know, and it, and it throws up stuff. But, but that's the development of character that we're talking about. And, and by the way, you know who said, seek first the kingdom of God. And what else, Eric? <laughs> yeah, and all these things will be added to you, right? Like that's no, and it's righteousness. Oh, and yeah. it's righteousness. Yeah, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Fill, fill in. I thought you were a Baptist. I skipped it. No, 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 no. Well, <laughs> okay, no, go ahead. Of. You're, you're right. You're right. Um, Thank you. So, yeah, that is that is definitely true. I'm just trying to think more of the. Well, it's well. I don't mean to interrupt you, but it's it, it's again not necessarily a reworking, but it's a it's a rethinking. Uh, not just James, but our story, because, you yes. know, it's gotten thrown out. Yeah. Um, they, I mean, not thrown out, rejected, discarded. Um, we don't have the seem to have the sound bites or the memes or the, you know, the quick yeah. knee jerk reactions that, that, that they want. And the idea of reflecting, um, you know, uh, uh, soaking, yes. <laughs> Somebody, you know, the Lectio Divina. Yes. I've heard of that. I mean, that's, that's, again, that's not in their thinking, uh, but why not? Let's take one word, well, endurance. <laughs> right. Well, so here's my problem with that. And you, I'd be interested in your perspective okay. as a, as a pastor. I, I think they don't know these things because they haven't been taught these things. Exactly. And uh, like I said, I had to go to Bible school to learn how to read the yeah. Bible, right? Yeah. I, I had to yeah. get a degree yeah. and I had to go and study, you know, for my MDiv to get, to learn how to pray in different traditions. And yeah, it wasn't, when I grew up, it was only intercessory prayer. That's the only kind we ever did. Right. Yeah. And you, yeah. you had, you had a book, right? So you had these, these, which <laughs> funny enough for me, like going, finding some of those sometimes is very helpful because it's They're, different. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But that, that kind of, um, give and take and realizing that there are other traditions and that mm. I should try to learn from them is really, really powerful. Um, and I think perhaps what we, what we can offer. So what, what do I find fascinating about offering the younger generation James is part of what they're reacting to is an overemphasis on Paul in, in the evangelical sure. church, which I, th I find really fascinating. So how do you solve that? You go, certainly to Jesus, but then also to the general epistles and go, okay, there's something, there's, there's, there's more here maybe that we've forgotten and we need to re rediscover. Sure. No. And I, and I think back to your point about um, this uh, generation Z, um, this next generation that's coming, having not been taught. Um, I don't know about you, but the mantra for so many of us uh, was faith is not taught it's caught yeah and that was so clever <laughs> come on eric who's yeah. not taught we're all taught you know um yeah my wife i talk about tom brady she's she's a, a tennis she, she loves tennis rafael nadal uh, yeah she follows him i'm saying where's that gonna get you <laughs> i'm your husband yeah <laughs> but no in all seriousness you know she's still taking lessons i mean getting taught 
Right. Um, I quit playing tennis with her because I didn't have a backhand, but, but, you know, <laughs> she played on it, but where I'm going again is the importance of teaching and teaching. And this yep. is the role of mentors. And that's the other part yes. of my book that I really, really want to stress where are the mentors, where are the teachers, where not just the fathers, the, the, the parents, the grandparents, the aunts, the uncles, the godparents, you know, you start that family system. Yes, much less a parish community. Uh, you know, instead of getting ushers who just pass the plate, let's get some training going on for for mentors. Yes, and amen. I think you that's can hear my passion. So powerful. That's yeah, what, that's what the book's about. Well, I think <laughs> that that's what we need, and that's why I wanted to talk to you. So I love that, friends. If you uh, like, if you're if something's stirring for you, I want to encourage you to do one of two things. If you have been around for a while, and you're in a position where you can mentor people. My very first guest was Carolyn Schmidt. Go back to episode one, listen to Carolyn. She's uh-huh. Jesus at my church. She mentors people. My youngest son will go running to her when he sees her to give her a hug because she's just Jesus <laughs> at, at our church. There's probably somebody like that at your church. Go and find them, seek them out, spend time with them, ask them what they're reading, ask them what they're studying, ask them how to pray. Uh, and if so, if you're, if you're younger, uh, on that end and you need that kind of mentoring or feel like you've never had it, seek it out, ask the Lord for it. He'll bring it to you. Uh, if you're older and you can be that person, please be that person. We need you. Even, even if the church programs minimize you or whatever, just show up and start having coffee with people. That's all that we need. Um, and one of the reasons I started the show is to hear from uh, people who have been through walk, a life walking with the Lord like Robin and so there's a whole archive here that you can go back and check out. That sounds a little self-serving. I do like the downloads, but it really is there to be to be a resource as well for you uh, and your and your journey. Um, Robin, your website I have it right here is robintjennings.com, so people can find That's right. you there and connect with you and hit that uh, absolutely contact button, connect button, and, and talk to you if they want to. Um, Hey, Eric. Yes. If they do go onto that website, and this is not a plug, but I've got a free download for them where I've got a four week journal that oh, does great. have a lot of my first writings, newsletters, classes, things like that, that can, that are used as meditations for that vision, renewal, bearing witness, yes. and mentoring. Perfect. So go check that out. That's robintjennings.com. Um, and I love that. And of course there's, it's linked up at the show notes at halfway there podcast.com. Robin, is there anything you want to leave us with? I think that you've done it, uh, Eric, except, uh, again, the light of the world. I, I, that's such a strong image for me. And to think of Jesus as the light of the world. And there is so much darkness. I mean, you know, that we could go on and on about that, but I need light. Again, I'm in Louisville. It's wintertime. It's cold. (laughs) (laughs) Bring on the light, baby. And that's where, uh, to me, that just Jesus warms my soul and keeps this, this, again, conversation going. The story needs to be told about the priority place on Jesus being the light of the world. And you are the light. Amen. 100%. Love it. Thanks for being here, Robin. I appreciate it. Thank you, brother.